Welcome to the Family Life Podcast. This is a podcast for all families, traditional and non-traditional, to grow in their mental, emotional, social, and spiritual health. Join us each week as we seek greater understanding of ourselves and our loved ones. We're glad you're with us. Hi, and welcome to the Family Life Podcast at Abiding Hope Church, where we are creating a podcast and um, to uh, help families grow and thrive and become healthy. Uh, we are working with families that are traditional and non-traditional, so whoever you are, we're glad that you're with us. Uh, we are in the part of a series right now where we are examining trauma and how trauma affects us as parents, how trauma affects our kids, how trauma f- affects um, the communities in which we live. And uh, today, I want to welcome my good friend, Jill Van Horn. We've been friends for umpteen gazillion years. We've been friends, what, what is it now, 26 years, 20 longer than half of my life it's been forever long enough yeah but we and it's it's been a lot of fun like for all of this that you and I knew each other as two punk college kids to like to see like where we are now is pretty trouble 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 yeah look at us we did all right so I knew you as a punk college kid but now you're teaching with a PhD can you just tell a little bit about who you are and where you are and what you're teaching there that'd be great yeah for sure so I have a PhD in counselor education and supervision from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte. And I started off this journey working at a group home and they said, hey, do you like, to, you like working with children? And I thought, oh, I love working with children. And I got there and realized the bachelors that they required woefully underprepared me for any work with children with trauma. And so I went back and got a master's in a professional school counseling and then went on to get my um, what's called LCMHCS, which is Licensed Clinical Mental Health Counselor Supervisor in the state of North Carolina. And I'm also a registered play therapist supervisor as well. So um, I do lots of- a little bit about play therapy. When when you say play therapy, I just would love to to hear what that looks like to you. Yeah. So play therapy essentially, so so the, the, the premise, the philosophy of play therapy is play is the natural language of children and yet so often we ask children to tell us what's going on with them and tell us how you feel Mm -hmm. and um we we completely ignore their natural way of communication which is play Mm -hmm. and so we give them um we give them a variety of toys which are selected you know toys selected choice toys um and allow children to tell their story through choice through toys and symbolism um, and, and so much of it is the way that the therapist responds and you're not responding in, um, in, uh, you know, you're responding in ways to let the child know that you hear them rather than, um, you're proud of them or they're surprising you because those are words that are of value to you as the adult and mm-hmm. you want the child to value their own voice. So that's, that's essentially what it comes down to there. I love it. That's great. Uh, well, what I've, I wanted to ask you to talk a little bit about with us is about parenting um, and uh, thinking about children with trauma or maybe parents with trauma or maybe parents and children with trauma. Um, uh, what are some of the things that we're looking at? I know that you mentioned Nadine uh, Briquette, I think is her name. And you talked about this study that she had about the physiological responses to trauma. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah, so it was actually, and I, and I had her name wrong in the beginning and I, and I apologize, but it's Nadine Burke Harris. Mm-hmm. 
Burke and Harris. She, Burke Harris, yes. And she did a study a few years back that has just exploded. And she has a wonderful TED talk. I highly suggest people take a look at it. But she talks about ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And essentially these experiences that we have as children, we don't realize they are, they are traumatic induced. They're trauma inducing. They're traumatic experiences um, because they are things such as um, parents yelling at us and calling us names as children or um, having a divorce, any shift in your family dynamic, whether it's a stillborn child, the death of a child, the death of a sibling, the death of a parent, divorce, there's a tremendous grief process there. That's all mm. trauma. Mm. Um, even though you may have still felt comforted and loved through those experiences, it's still trauma. Mm. And so um, those particular experiences, uh, as they add up and as you, as you account for them, uh, you know, you have a higher, there's a higher rate of a physiological response, such as um, COPD, STDs, cancer, stroke, obesity, depression, things that seem like they wouldn't necessarily be connected, um, yet here they are. There's a, there's a direct, um, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a direct um, link between the two, those adverse childhood experiences and the, um, these diseases and health issues later on in life. That's, that's all. You talked a little bit about brain mapping with, um, I don't know if that's specific to Burke Harris. Hey, hang on one second. Sorry. I was doing a little parenting moment. Uh, so, uh, we talked a little bit about how when, uh, someone goes through trauma, they get into that kind of fight or flight state and they get kind of in that freeze or fight sort of thing, but there's ways in which that brain mapping can change that a little bit. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? Well, I think, yeah. So any, any, uh, like any experience, like exercise, right? You, it's that muscle memory. And same thing, we now know the same thing happens with the brain. So there's these pathways. And think of them as trails in a forest. You know, the, the, you may have a trail where perhaps you've traversed over and through a river that's very, very difficult. Um, well, you know, eventually you might find another path that's actually um, a lot more accommodating. Um, you might find another path that's a little bit easier, but you don't need to go, you know, through these very difficult, um, you know, ravines or gorges or or whatnot, and so so as the as the brain um, carves these new pathways of, um, you know, more positive behaviors, so uh, coping skills that we you know we all have coping skills, even even bad coping skills are still coping skills. So what we want to do is we want to find positive mm -hmm. coping skills to be able to handle our trauma, um, and so when we're doing the brain mapping, essentially. Um, as I said, think of it as a forest where the trees grow over, uh, the leaves, you know, fall on the trail and eventually that trail is not used anymore. And you're now using a new path or a new trail that is um, more accessible. It's um, more complementary to who you are as an individual. And um, it's not as dichotomous. I think that sometimes is so exhausting that the dichotomy of where I want to be, but this is how I cope with things. So uh, yeah, the new the, these neuro pathways are are new maps, new new trails on maps for our brain. Right. It sounds like any kind of like building any sort of new habit that you know we have the kind of normal homeostasis that we might have, and that might be the way that we parent or the way that we work or the you know for me like dealing with depression for some it means drinking or for some it means this, but I found the path of physical exercise as being the best thing to conquer any sort of down feelings that I might have, and so it's creating new neural pathways to help 
not you, you're still dealing with the issue, but you're finding better ways to manage and cope it. Is that is that what I hear you're 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 saying here? Yes, to the point where I mean, think about it when you when you first went to go exercise that first time, like oh, this is exhausting, this is tiring. I'm only doing it because I know I should do it, not because I really want to do it, or definitely not because it's easy. But the more you use those new coping skills, it does become easier. Yeah, there actually almost becomes a reward for me. Like it's, you know, I get rewarded for the other side of it. You know what I mean? So that initial response, like you said, I usually tell people like, you know, if you want to learn to run, you're going to have to spend three weeks hating it. You know, you have to get through those three weeks of hating running, but then your body will start to shift. Your neurology will start to shift. And actually a lot of what happens is just the brain because your brain is telling you, you don't like to run, sit still. You don't like to run, sit still. In the same way, that's the coping skills for, or maybe even just like dealing with our own trauma that like, maybe I di- maybe I deal with it by escaping or maybe I deal with it through drinking or maybe I deal with it um, just I get angry or and finding these things. It's, it's helping to find new ways of creating um, ways of managing that within me so that what comes out of me is healthier. Um, and I'm still dealing with it, but I'm finding new ways of dealing with it. Right. Exactly. And if you, if you are experiencing something, uh, you know, if you're, if you're trying to run, you know, I might give up in a week because honestly, it's never worked for me before. I've never really tried it before. It's not something that uh, drinking might work for me because I've done that for 10 years or, you know what mm. I mean? So, mm-hmm. so I think it's also, it's taking that leap of trying to, trying something new and experiencing it and kind of going for broke to see right. what have I got to lose. Right. Hey, let's talk, let's let's um, go forward a little bit. I know that as uh, parents dealing with kids who've gone through trauma. So I, I I talked a little bit about moving my family quite a bit from South Carolina to Germany to back to South Carolina and then to Colorado. While you know we wouldn't think of that as a traumatic experience, in some ways it really was for my kids. You know, so I'm dealing. I think in some ways of trying to handle my kids' trauma and parent them through trauma. Um, uh, what are some of the things that you might want to tell a parent, tell somebody like me about managing my kids' um, anxieties and trauma around that experience? What are, what are some things that you would give me to help, help coach them through this time? Well, I think, first of all, to validate. First, before I get into that, I would like to validate the types of experiences of trauma people have. People think trauma, they automatically go to worst case scenario. They automatically go to the car accidents or the abuses or, you know, the, the seeing something you shouldn't have when um, trauma can be very subtle as well. We talk about big T trauma and little T trauma. And, um, you know, so there, so there's, uh, and, and again, in the adverse childhood experiences, we, it's broken down into three different types. So you've got abuse, neglect, and then household dysfunction. And um, those can, those can really whittle away mm. uh, at the psyche, or they can be real big sucker punches. So anyway, I just, I think it's important for adults to recognize that it's not, um, you know, again, it's not dichotomous, but it's a spectrum. Mm. So starting there, when you're talking about parenting, you want to recognize your own trauma, recognize that you, you may have experienced trauma and that that's okay. That's okay. Once you understand and acknowledge that you have perhaps experienced trauma, to also recognize that is, that's the lens in which you're going to do a lot of your parenting. Um, we all parent based on our own experiences. So if you've experienced trauma, it makes sense that you would parent based on the trauma that you've right, had. Right. So it, it's going to be higher torqued. It's going to be higher tuned. It's going to be um, 
there might not be a lot of room for forgiveness. There might be mm. a lot of stress and intensity along with that. So one of the things I mentioned to you um, in play therapy, one of the one of the what we call rules of thumb or tenants that we have is focus on the focus on the donut and not the whole. So focus on the goodness of what you have. Uh, you know, the, the, the sprinkles, the chocolate, the ooey gooey goodness <laughs> off of it, um, rather than the fact that there's a piece missing in the middle. Nobody focuses on the piece that's missing in the middle because the rest is so amazing. Right. And I think we need to look at children that way as well. We don't look at them as, you know, like money sucks on us. <laughs> you know, we don't look at them as like, mm -hmm. exhaust me. We look at them and go, oh my gosh, how amazing is this human being? They're, they're amazing. They have, they're talented and they're wonderful and they're filled with endless hugs and, you know, so focus on the goodness. Um, I think also another thing that you and I didn't talk about, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw in here is children are not as manipulative as what people will say. Oh, he or she just wants attention. Here's a big thing for me. There is always a reason for the behavior. Right. So maybe they are seeking attention, but that's not where it ends. What is it that they're needing from you? Are they needing safety? Are they needing affirmation? Are they needing security? What is it that they need from you? And then try and focus on what it is that they're needing rather than um, how they're bothering you. Right. It's like, it's rather than on the behavior, trying to manipulate their behaviors, try to get to that root cause. Cause you can talk about the behaviors l later, but that's only after that root cause is met. You know, if, if you're just like, stop bugging me, stop bugging me. You're ignoring right. the fact that they need you for something and, right. and, and you're going to break that trust with them. They're, you know, you're going to lose that. Even if they're using negative attention, seeking behaviors to do that, it's still, there's still a, a, a need there that needs to be addressed. I love that. Yeah. I, I love that. But that's what's worked for them. If it's a negative behavior, that's what's worked for them. Knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, knocking on the door, you know, um, that, that has worked for them. But if I, if I address their needs, maybe they might not need to knock on the door while you and I are talking right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's so true. You also talked about keeping it simple with our kids. I loved that. Yeah, we again another one of our little phrases is if you can't say it in ten words or less, then 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 don't say it. And gosh, you know that that's terribly hard for me. Mm. <laughs> so, but it really makes you think. What is what is the important thing that I'm trying to convey here? Mm. What what is the important lesson? Um, because I think sometimes we become very wordy and we go and give four or five examples. Um, just keep it simple. So keep it, you know as succinct as you can, but also only address the question that's being asked um, and not how our adult minds interpret the question. Focus on exactly what it is that a child is asking you. Um, I use the example of, you know, where are babies from? Well, they don't want to know the whole science and biology behind where babies come from. They want to know, does the baby come from the stork like they've seen um, on, on gift bags in the store? Or does it come from, you know, a, a woman? Um, and so, you know, so answer the question. And then they will lead. Let the children lead. I think sometimes we try to drag the child to where we want them to be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really important to let the child lead in those dialogues and those conversations. It also saves space for us, especially when we give too much information to them. Right. When I, when I think about kids who are dealing with trauma, just, you know, the ones that I'm relating to, you know, I often find that they're more clammed up than they're actually verbose. And I feel like sometimes I feel like 
and I see too many parents or leaders or even, even I get sucked into speaking for them rather than just letting them speak, you know? And if they yeah. don't, if they don't have anything to share, then just, I have to remind myself, just shut up and they're going to come, they're going to come out when they need to come out. I don't need them to be where I'm at right now, which is another thing that you really talked about that I really appreciated is, you know, we always coming from that adult brain and wanting, and, and in some ways with our kids assuming things like you, I, I think you're talking about the thinking that they're being manipulative when they're not, you know, that's us kind of interjecting our conversation onto them and our internal monologue into them. when We don't really know what they're doing this for. Yeah. I don't know how many times I've started to get all over one of my kids and my kids are like, that's not at all what I'm talking about. And I was like, Ooh, uh, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Which is another thing I thought that you were really great with saying is just like how to apologize. Like what, what does it mean to like own our stuff? So one more of my favorite rules is it's not what you did. It's what you do after what you did, which is <laughs> a saying it's a mouthful to say, um, don't, don't be too big to, to say what you did or what you would have liked to have done differently. Um, if you've done something wrong, if you've laid to a child because they didn't take, you know, the recycling out or they didn't fold the laundry and you had already asked them to do it. And so you really just, rah, you know, come on, un, come unhinged about it. Mm -hmm. um, so the child will definitely remember that that incident. But you know what they're going to remember more that you went into their bedroom and sat on their bed with them and said, hey, listen, you know what? I, that was totally uncalled for. I am so sorry. I. I really was frustrated and it is important that you do the laundry or it is important that you take the recycling. But, um, the way I approached that was wrong and it was, mm -hmm. it was disrespectful and I apologize. I'm really sorry about that. Right. And that is going to build some trust. And when we're talking about how to manage trauma in our lives and children need somebody to trust, that's going to build, that's, that's going to, that's going to create that bridge um, between you and a child to let them know that you are a human being. You do make mistakes. Um, and, and that you're okay with recognizing that as well. Right. The theme that seems to keep coming up is safety and support, you know, that like, those are the two biggest things that I've seen. And, and I hear that in both in that kind of response of, you know, I'm, I'm creating a, a place of trust for you that you can see that I miss, I mess up and I can apologize. And I, and I honor you with my, even my own humility, I guess is the right word to say, but to, to say I'm not above apologizing right it's important to me as an adult to to be respected by you and you happen to be younger than me but it doesn't mean you deserve any less respect than mm -hmm. anyone else because of your size or your age right and and I, you know one of the things that a parent coach had said to me once is like often our kids reflect our our behaviors back at us and so you know if you're getting frustrated a lot you might want to say okay what 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 in, what in me is being reflected back by my own mm -hmm. child so how can I, so, you know, all of this makes me just think a whole lot, Jill, about just how self-aware we have to be as parents and just how self-actualized we have to be as parents. It's, that's a, that's a tough call. That seems like a, a lifelong journey. That's for sure. My problem is I feel like once I've got parenting figured out, I won't have kids in my house anymore. I'll be, <laughs> they'll all be moved out and be like, I, I finally know how to do this and you're all gone. Yeah. My parents are so great because they finally figure some of these things out. Uh, one of, but one of the things we were, one of the things that you just mentioned was, um, triggers. What are our triggers? What is it that, you know, when we see this, when we see this, uh, you know, this, this very frustrating thing that our child does and all of a sudden it's like, ah, it really gets to us and it's a trigger for us. Again, it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop at stop pushing my buttons. We have to be reflective enough to say, okay, what is it? 
about that that's bothering me? Why is that a trigger for me? One of the examples I use in my classes when I'm working with my students is, um, you know, mixing Play-Doh. And I have some students that they, they can't do it. They just really struggle with it. And I go, okay, but what is it about the mixing the colors that is upsetting to you? And some of them say, well, I just, I just, I just can't handle it that way because I just want them separated. Okay, but is it bad that they're mixed together? It's not bad. And so they kind of work through, you know what, this is okay to have the, the Play-Doh colors mixed, which sounds really funny and very simple, but you would be very surprised at how many people that bothers, um, especially when they see children do that to the Play-Doh they've supplied, because essentially the Play-Doh's ruined now, you know, but what is it, 50 cents a can? So it's okay. Um, <laughs> but to, to recognize what are those triggers, um, you know, there's, yeah, so, so it could be, um, being called out. A lot of us as adults do not like to be called out and being called out by a child. Ooh, that's a tough one. That's a tough mm -hmm. one. But mm -hmm. why does that bother us? Mm -hmm. Because it's something, there's something there for us. We, so we need to work on that. So it's being very self-aware. Right. I think, I think every parent needs a good coach, therapist, counselor. They need like a cadre yeah. of people to help them out through this. That's for sure. Hey, yeah, um, my I, therapist. I, I, I want to say thanks so much for coming and being our podcast, Joy. I'm just really honored that you would be there. You've been an awesome friend, somebody I really look up to you for a long time. And I just want to say thanks for coming on and sharing some wisdom with us. Yeah, I was excited that our disciplines brought us back together. It's kind of fun. It is kind of fun. That's really, what, a, what a great thing. Well, thanks for your time, Jill. Um, if anybody needed to reach out to you, just where would they find any information about you? Yeah, you can find me. I am... Uh, I teach at Appalachian State University, and I'll be happy to give my email address, jwvanhorn, B-A-N-H-O-R-N-E, at gmail.com, and you can reach me there. Awesome. Hey, thanks for your time, Joy. I really appreciate it. All right. Take care.